the optimal life. So give us a little background on you. You've been involved in the in the school systems for quite some time. Why don't you just give the audience a little high-level understanding of exactly who you are, where you've been, and, and your current role? I have been blessed to serve in school systems that have seen some real successful turnaround. First in Kansas City, Missouri, um, now in DeSoto, Texas, and in between with a number of different school districts across Texas and across the nation, working to help support them around areas of school-based behavior and district-level strategy. And your current role is exactly what? Uh, deputy commissioner? Is that, or is that a prior role? I spent several years serving as deputy commissioner of education for the state of Texas. Okay. Uh, but that was prior to now serving as conservator for DeSoto ISD. And what exactly does that mean, conservator? Essentially, I play the role of a coach for the board and superintendent and really helping support them and set them up for success. Mm. So for me, I see school boards and this was a real hot topic. I almost got involved in our local school board uh, where my kids go to school because uh, several years ago, I wasn't happy with the way things were going with uh, uh, once COVID hit and uh, mask mandates and virtual learning and putting our kids behind. Um, at some point it was a, a diminishing return it felt like and it was it was too much so i almost got involved um what did you see on your behalf when you when, when COVID was happening um did you see that the school boards were uh, doing the right things were they overstretching did they not do enough what was your stance on that well the thing with school boards that you have to understand is their task is to represent the vision and values of their community and so each school board because it represents very different communities, are going to go about that in different ways. And so some communities, uh, they wanted to see more masks and some communities wanted to see fewer masks and some wanted to see more of this type of book and others wanted to see less of that type of book. I actually consider that the system working as it's designed, that each community identifies individuals who represent their vision, represent their values and who serve on the school board to further the vision and values of their community. And so that those differ from locality to locality, I don't see that as a problem. I actually see that as a feature of the system. So not one size fits all. It is specifically tailored to a certain geographic area, a school district, a city, a state, just depending on on who's there is what you're saying. But so so let me ask you, why don't we start here too? What are give us the few primary roles that a school board? What are their prime roles and responsibility of a school board in general across the, the nation? And that is simple. There, there's one thing that school boards do in service of creating the conditions for improving student outcomes, and that is to represent the vision and values of their community. That's it. That is the entirety of the job. There are a lot of specific tasks that are subordinate to that. But all of the tasks that they do are summed up in this reality, that the role of the school board is to represent the vision of the community. What is it that a community wants its students to know and be able to do and actually ensure that the school system is making progress in that direction? And what are the values of the community? What are the non-negotiables that the community 
absolutely would not accept in their schools. And the board has to codify those and then monitor to ensure that that the school system and its operations are honoring those values. Uh, but that that is the job of the school board, to represent the vision and the values of their local community. And how do they know what the vision and values of their local community are? They have to go you listen. Get people that, right? They, you get people that come to a school board meeting. Those are going to be your, your real avid parents that are very mm-hmm. dedicated and really care. But what, what about the, the vast majority that don't, that kind of remain silent um, and, and maybe don't even have any email or telephone communications with the school board, but, but a lot of those people may feel a certain way. So how does a school board, that's yeah. gotta be a challenge for any school board, correct? It, it certainly is. The coaching that we provide is the school boards have to do both community engagement, which a lot of school boards naturally understand to do, and community outreach, which many school boards don't naturally attend to. And so the the community engagement is, how are we having a two-way conversation, not a we will tell you from on high, but a two-way conversation about the vision and values of the community that the board is hosting. And so the board says, we're going to open our doors, we're going to invite people to come to this conversation, Uh, and it'll be a two-way conversation about what's the vision, what should our students know and be able to do, what are the values, what are the non-negotiables? That's community engagement. And it's pretty normal that school boards will do that. Where school boards often miss the mark is they don't engage in community outreach. So where engagement is, here's something that the board is hosting. Outreach recognizes that there are many people in this community who are never going to show up at something that we're hosting, but they are gathering somewhere in meaningful numbers and they do have a voice to be heard. So for community outreach, we have to, as board members, go to where they are. So maybe this involves going to a church basement or a neighborhood association meeting or some other type of gathering at a community center or a daycare, something where there are critical voices that the board isn't hearing through its engagement work that it needs to be intentional about finding ways to go out to where the people are to engage in outreach work as well. And so where engagement is these two-way community conversations about the vision and values of the community the board host, outreach is about two-way engagement around the vision and values of the community, but the communities host and the board members attend. Interesting. A lot okay, of li- so- a lot of listening is the short answer. Yes. So the the uh the outreach is an area where many school boards fall short. Uh, what are some other areas where school boards may fail or tend to struggle? Well, the thing that's important to realize here is that school boards across the nation are comprised of folks who care deeply about what's possible for children. Um, in most places, they're volunteers. You know, Obviously, there's places where there's some amount of a stipend or even some places where there's full compensation. But in most places across the country, school board members are volunteers. So these are people who just raised their hand in their community and said, you know, we care about uh, the young people in our community. and We want to do our part uh, to support them. And so then they run for school board, they get elected. And and now what? This is a position I found myself in when I (laughs) ran for school board is that I was full of um, a desire to see greatness for children. And that desire was sufficient to have the community trust that I should be their representative, that I should represent their vision of values. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing when I got on the school board. 
I had no sense of how to govern a large, complex um, governmental organization. Um, it, and so in reality, even though I had the passion for it, which is necessary, I didn't have the knowledge or the skills for it. Um, and I hadn't, and I, even though I didn't realize it at the time, I hadn't yet developed the mindset for governing. I had the mindset for being a community advocate. I didn't yet have the mindset for being effective at governing. And so these were the areas of my deficit, even though that I was very passionate about it, like most school board members are, and, and I really wanted great things for children like most school board members do, but there are key missings in this knowledge, skills, and mindset. Um, and absent those, I would have gone on to just continue creating harm, even though my intention was to be a benefit to the students. You would have created harm, AJ, because of, of, dig into that, because of your lack of governance. How does your lack of governance equate to harm? Where where were you going with that? So one example that I mentioned in my book is that in a previous career, I was a computer programmer. So I knew a lot about technology when I joined the school board. Um, That was an area of competence for me. And so I was dialed into, okay, well, let me look at the technology. And I noticed that the technology in our accounting office was horrible and that that was giving rise to why it was difficult to get some questions answered. And so I spent the first six months just hammering away, we've got to get the technology right for the accounting department. We've got to get the technology right. If we don't do that, the district's not going to be great. If with the benefit of hindsight now, Nate, I, I suspect you know where I'm going with this. Was my focus on educating children in my first six months on the school board? Was your focus on educating children? You're asking me, was was your focus yeah. on educating children? No, your focus yeah. was not. No, it wasn't. But if you had asked me at the time, if you'd asked me, hey, AJ, are you focused on educating children? What would I have said? You would have said 110%. That's why I'm here. Oh, that's, that's the only reason I'm here. But in reality, that's not what my focus was on. And I didn't have the knowledge, skills, and mindset to understand the difference between a focus on the adult inputs in the school system versus the student outcomes of the school system. Instead of being focused on what is it we want students to know and be able to do, I was focused on minutia. And here's the real kicker, Nate. The real kicker is why I was focused on that particular set of minutia was because. Because of your desire to see greatness in the children. No, I was focused on the minutia of technology in the accounting department because that's what I knew. Oh, 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 you're talking back to, yes, back to your example. Okay. I My focus wasn't on IT because that's what children needed most. It's because that's what I understood most. Right. And, and, but that, that and that's moment, common. That, that's common. And I think that's what you're saying is that a lot of people come in with backgrounds and, and a certain focus and a desire, yet they lack the understanding of we really need to do this. If we had perfected the accounting software, does that mean children are going to be able to read now? No. No. Hard stop. That was the shift in knowledge, skill, and mindset. All, all of that encapsulated begins to describe the shift in knowledge, what I didn't know, the shift in skill, what I wasn't able to do because I didn't know, and the shift in mindset that I should even be focused on student outcomes rather than adult inputs to begin with. That shift 
describes a common challenge that a lot of school board members find ourselves at, that that what we want for children is crystal clear, that we really want children to grow in what they know and able to do. But what we wind up focusing our time and energy on often doesn't match that passion, doesn't match that desire uh, because of these gaps in knowledge and skill and mindset. So an adult input, for example, could be we are going to put together the most fancy technology IT department with it's, right? it's going to be great, Nate. It's going to be great. Yeah, and then and then the the actual student outcome might be absolutely no different if you're no, not focusing on how to get them to read. And here's the bigger problem: is we will wave the victory flag. It's like, hey, folks, we did it. The thing that we came to do, you know, we improved student out- outcomes because we got the technology is going to be great. And what? And in that moment, we're not paying any attention to the fact that what's happening for children may or may not have shifted at all. But we're waving the victory flag because we did the adult input, not realizing that that's not why we're there. We're not mm. there you know, to perfect the adult inputs. We're there to perfect the student outcomes. And if we do all of the adult things right, but children don't learn, then we didn't do the right things. So it starts, so it's a change in mentality and mindset, first and foremost. That is always the first step. It's a change in mentality and mindset. How do you go, first of all, who's rating? When you go from DeSoto, the district uh, that you're in goes from an F-rated performance uh, to now be rated through your leadership. Who gives those ratings and how are those determined? Well, in the area of governance, the board did. The board gave their own district an F rating? In governance, yes. Okay. That's one of the things that you know we have here in Texas. We have a governance rating tool that boards can use to self-identify. So what it's, is a their self- relative- it's a self-assessment. Yeah. Okay. And then they just decide, and and then you guys did it again recently, and and uh, they self-assessed all the way up to a B. That's correct. Okay. And, and, what, and I was and I was there to validate both of those scores as being accurate. What are some of the drivers to go from an F to a B? Also, well, one, it's helpful to actually have goals of what you want students to know and be able to do. If you don't have goals about that are specific and smart, uh, that are specific, measurable, attainable, results-focused, and time-bound, and we can call it SMART goals. If you don't have SMART goals about what you want students to know and be able to do, it's not possible for you to say that we're student outcomes-focused. We're just floating in the wind. And so in order to be able to say that we're actually focused on improving student outcomes, that we have to be clear about what does that mean in reality and how will we be able to measure did we get there or measure did we not get there? And if we got there, then we've got to interrogate that. What did we do that worked? What didn't work that slowed us down? How can we replicate it? If we didn't get there, we got to interrogate that. Okay, what didn't work? Um, are there pockets of excellence that did work? How do we replicate that? What didn't work? How do we stop doing that, regardless of whether adults like it or not? How do we stop doing it and pivot to something that is working? Mm-hmm. If you're not having those type of conversations, at least 50% of your board meeting time each month, then you're not focused on improving student outcomes as a board. Uh, you're focused, most likely still focused on the adult inputs. It doesn't mean that you don't attend to the adult inputs. It means you attend to them only in direct relationship to the student outcomes. So instead of looking through the telescope you know, the wrong way and wondering why things don't look closer, uh, you flip the telescope around and say, the thing that we're looking for is the student outcomes. What does the data tell us about that? And then 
given what the data is telling us, what are the adult input adjustments that we need to make to match what we're seeing, as opposed to starting with what are the adult inputs we like? Okay, let's make some movements on those. And so when the board makes that shift to an adult uh, from an adult inputs focus to a student outcomes focus, that is a large part of the behavior that describes the difference between an F rating in governance and a B rating in governance. Can a school system with great teachers but a poor board be a successful school system? Yes. The challenge is it's happening in spite of the board, not because of the board. And because it's happening in spite of the board, because the board's job is to represent the vision and values of the community over the longer haul, when you have something like that, what it normally winds up meaning is that your students who are most in need of the safety net to be an effective system their students who are most academically vulnerable are more likely to fall through the cracks. Um, and the teachers that are already doing all the things that they need to do, then those students are going to be fine. The teachers who need support, who need growth, who need resources to be helping them be the best version of themselves, they're less likely to get that. And correspondingly, their students are less likely to grow over time. And so you begin to create kind of these haves and these have-nots, the students who are already getting what they uh, deserve and the students who are not, the teachers who are already getting what they deserve and the teachers who are not. This is the effect of a school system that isn't systematic in its approach to improving student outcomes, and that's the role the board plays. So do teachers need the school board to be great, uh, for them to be great? Absolutely not. But for the system overall to serve children, and particularly all of the children in the school system, the more effective the board is, the greater the likelihood of that. The less effective the board is, the less the likelihood of that. Yes. And then on the inverse, the board may be the greatest board in the history of mankind. But without the right players teaching at that school, I would imagine, you're still going to have poor outcomes for the kids. Is that correct? I so absolutely. If it's the greatest school board ever assembled and deployed, one of the things that highly effective leadership at the board level does is it does a great job of being able to attract highly effective superintendent leadership. And one of the hallmarks of highly effective superintendent leadership is they're able to uh, attract and retain highly effective managerial teams, including your frontline manager, your principal. And one of the hallmarks of truly great principals is they are able to attract and retain really great teachers. So over the long term, if you have really great school boards, I suspect you are more likely to be able to attract and retain really great teachers over time. If you have really dysfunctional school boards, I think it's going to, over time, make it harder for the organization to attract and retain highly effective teachers. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense. So you might feel like you're the greatest school board. You might have everything there. But by default, if the good talent is not eventually coming in through the schools and the school system, you're definitely not the best school board of all time. That, that is absolutely right. I would look at that as prima facie evidence that if for some reason we are unable to consistently attract and retain the most effective teachers in the classroom, 
I would tell the school board, we need to start by looking in the mirror to figure out what about us is failing to be sufficiently student outcomes focused. What are we doing that isn't honoring what the needs of our students are? One of the things that uh, I, I wonder, too, with these school boards is that the school board, are they setting the curriculum? So ideally, no. Ideally, so no. What, what there's a few different pieces of this. The job of declaring what are the goals for the organization and what are the parameters in which those goals should uh, exist, the vision and the values, that is definitely the job of the board. And so the board should say, here are the things we want students to learn. These are our goals. This is reflect the community's vision. Here are the things that would be inappropriate in our community because they'd be a violation of our values. In my book, I refer to those as guardrails. So the board listens for the vision of the community, adopts goals, listens for the values of the community, and adopts guardrails. And that is the framework inside of which the district has to operate. And so the next step is the administration, the professional educators, have to take the vision and the values, the goals and the guardrails, and say, okay, what, what curriculum will help get us to the goals we want while honoring the guardrails that the community has put in place? So and you have what, a great video about that in uh, using Ohio, which is I'm here in right. Cleveland. You've that's got right. a great video talking about going to the airport and telling the driver here, I don't want you to go this way. You put the guardrail in place. You have no control then over which, right, the rest of the stuff. That the, that's absolutely correct. It's just like hopping you know, in a taxi is that you tell them where to go and maybe you tell them what route not to take. But the taxi driver is determines, okay, based on the guardrails we've been given, which way we go now where you see things fall apart sometimes i suspect that you've observed is if the board isn't clear and it has done an ineffective job of listening for the values of the community or has simply failed to codify those values into a set of guardrails then you see your educators making decisions that are unintentionally but quite frequently out of alignment with the community's values yes but when i see that happening I, I don't go to blaming the educators. I go to saying, where has the board failed to accurately codify the values of the community that would have made it clear that that particular decision was out of bounds? Who's, so that is the role of the board. So who's teaching these? Like, who gets to decide in these different districts and communities, for example, when kids should start learning about sex education? So what I would expect is the board to listen for the vision and values of its community, codify that into a set of goals. They probably won't have any around sex education, or at least I've not seen any. Codify into a set of guardrails. And so those guardrails may in fact talk about what is age appropriate or not age appropriate for different content areas. If that is something that is a very vibrant and urgent area of community values, then they in fact would articulate that in their guardrails. And so maybe they'd have a guardrail to say, you know, the superintendent you know, may not allow um, sex ed curriculum that is developmentally inappropriate or allow it to be taught at times that are developmentally inappropriate or be more explicit, you know, may not you know, teach it at all outside of what is required by the state. Whatever the values of the community are, it's the mm -hmm. job of the board to articulate those values. And when they fail to do so, 
then you run into circumstances like what I'm hearing you describe. But no, is it the job of the board to get in and say, okay, uh, we're going to teach you know, about penises on Tuesday and vaginas on Thursday? That is not the job of the board. Uh, the job of the board is to be clear about what are the vision and values of the community and then articulate that in a way that it creates a safe framework in which the educators then go out and implement it. It goes back to where you started, listening to the community, paying the engagement, the outreach, those kind of things. That is the key work of the board because your job mm. is to represent the community. You can't represent a community effectively if you haven't taken the time to listen. And it's not effective representation if you haven't then written down what you've heard. And that's literally what policy is. It is the written version of the community's vision and values. And so the board hasn't taken the time to write it down in its policy language. What are the guardrails in which our administration needs to operate? Then the board simply hasn't hasn't completed its task. Interesting. So inconsistency is probably uh, um, inconsistency within a, a school system or a school a school itself probably points to the fact that the board has not implemented at least clearly defined guardrails. Because if you've got a teacher teaching sex ed in fourth grade, for example, and then none of the other teachers teach it because they don't they don't think it's required until ninth or tenth grade, you would probably either say that the, either the teacher is not following the rules or more than likely the board hasn't put in a well-defined criteria or guardrail in place. Yeah. So in the example you described, that doesn't sound like a board issue. That sounds like a campus level issue. If all of the other fourth grade teachers are following curriculum X and one teacher is following curriculum Y. That sounds like a challenge that the principal needs to sort out with their teachers. Um, but if for some reason, all of the fourth grades in the school are teaching curriculum X and curriculum X happens to be completely out of alignment with the community's values, then that does start to feel more like a district level challenge that the board might want to consider, have we put in place the proper policy framework? Where did your burning desire, where did this come from, AJ, this burning desire to see greatness in children and our students and your community? How did that start for you? Well, I, I suspect it's the same as a lot of folks. You know, I, um, I was a challenging student, to say the least. Um, but I was really blessed by having some amazing teachers um, who did not have to stand up for me, did not have to tolerate me. Uh, I was pretty awful um, at many times of my childhood to the teachers around me. And there were some who just like, we're not we're not accepting that behavior. We know what you're capable of. We're going to push you and you're going to and you're going to do what we know you could do. Um, and they challenged me in ways that have been absolutely life-saving for me. Um, I have seen the power of public education um, both in my life and life of children in my own household, um, in the lives of the children that I've served in my community. And everybody deserves the, sh the shot that I got. I, I was blessed to, to get a chance uh, by the grace of God you know, and some really phenomenal public school teachers. Um, everybody, every child in our country deserves the same access to opportunity that I had. I grew up in the public school system as well, and I swear by it. I think it's great. It gets you re really ready for the real world. 
Uh, You get thrown into the fire. You get to learn about diversity. You learn how to handle other people that might be from different backgrounds than yours. And uh, there's not a whole lot of coddling. So I I think it's it really prepares you for like what adulthood really means. Yeah. One of the things I appreciate about public education in our country, particularly I work with a lot of our larger urban facing school systems, is just that you see a little bit of everybody that is on Earth is coming through those classrooms. And I think that's that is a powerful part of the learning especially in our increasingly connected world the value of gaining a sense of comfort with and fluency with people from all over the place from recognizing that not everybody has my experience that i've got to be open to listening and learning about other people's experiences and valuing what they bring to the table other people might see problems differently than i see problems and i might be able to benefit from that because they see it differently than i benefit that, that i see it like all of that um, are things that I absolutely cherish about public education uh, in this country, and uh, I, I certainly, um, I, I certainly want to see it made uh, increasingly uh, perfect for the children it serves. Beautiful. So, with all that being said, and we know the a little bit more now about the roles and responsibilities and the school board's mission, inherently what what you guys are there to do. Why do a vast majority of school, why are a vast majority of school board meetings horrible? <laughs> uh, largely what I see, what I, what I consider ineffective board meetings, it's because they're exclusively adult inputs focused and not at all student outcomes focused. But that's probably not what you're referring to. Um, I distinguish between professional and unprofessionalism in a board versus effectiveness and ineffectiveness in a board. So professionalism is all about, are we conducting business in a way that we can actually conduct business? So if people are yelling and screaming and cursing each other out and, you know, having big dramas at the dais where, you know, people are doing all this to turn it into a reality show, I consider that unprofessional behavior. And by that, I simply mean that the nature of the behavior isn't actually allowing the board to accomplish the business of the board. But even if you conduct yourselves at the highest level of professionalism, where you are behaving in such a way that you can conduct the business or we're using Robert's rules or whatever, being professional in conduct is not a guarantee of effectiveness in conduct. That exists on a different spectrum. Ineffective behavior is entirely focused on adult inputs and never even gets to a focus on student outcomes. Effective behavior begins its orientation as being student outcomes focused and lets that drive the conversation regarding which adult inputs will or won't be discussed. And so it is very possible to be professional and ineffective. Um, And I would rather have a slightly unprofessional board that is wildly effective than a wildly professional board that is completely ineffective. Right. And so you want the steak, not necessarily the sizzle. <laughs> <laughs> right? Much more of the steak. And yes. so that's the that's the challenge that I see. And so do do I see boards that are kind of behaving in these wildly unprofessional ways where there's yelling, screaming, people fighting, things of that nature? Uh, I, I certainly don't want to see those things. But that tends to be the exception, not the rule. The real thing that hurts my heart is to see ineffective boards that even when they are conducting themselves professionally, the only thing they're talking about is the IT systems in the accounting department 
that they're never getting to. Can little AJ actually read, write, do math? Can little AJ problem solve, demonstrate empathy, collaborate effectively, think critically? That's that's what really hurts me is when I see the ineffective boards, even if they are conducting themselves professionally. Interesting. And you need you need a, a change agent for those ineffective boards. You need somebody to come in there, correct? Or, or, or a consultant like yourself to say, guys, you, you need to fix all these areas because if they're just continuously doing the same thing, because that's how it's, quote unquote, always been done, you're never going to get anywhere. What what I frequently see is that it is a school board member, not an outsider like me. So I, I think the role of coaching, uh, the role that I play is absolutely essential. But to start the process, it's most often one or two board members that get together and say, you know what? This is not what we came here to do. We are not serving children. I'm not serving. I'm not being of service to children in the way that I intended when I ran. And so it normally starts with just one, maybe two board members who reach that point of realization and then start looking around to figure out, okay, this isn't it. I don't know what it is, but I know that this ain't it. What what would it look like for us to actually serve children the way that I intended when I ran for the school board? It's when those folks find a coach or someone who um, is a, one of our nationally certified coaches who are trained to help boards be student outcomes focused. Because there, there's a lot of folks out here calling themselves school board coaches, but they aren't actually helping boards get focused on student outcomes. Many of the times, they're helping boards get more focused on adult inputs. Right. Right. Um, and so it's when those school board members realize, like I did about six months after I served on my board, what I'm doing isn't helping children. This isn't what I came here to do. Then I started looking around and I just had the blessing of being connected with a coach who helped us develop a vision for being student outcomes focused. And now mm. it's the joy of my heart to be able to to be the coach uh, that that I experienced when I was sitting in the seat. Great on their behalf, why school boards fail, how yours can become effective. That's your book. We've kind of talked about some of the highlights throughout our whole conversation here, but just again, generally speaking, what is the book's message? What's the book about? And and who's the type of audience that should be digesting this? Anyone who is deeply interested in seeing children be great um, whether that's as community members, parents, teachers, uh, anyone, if they're interested in seeing their school systems be more effective in improving student outcomes, the intention is that this is a guide for them to help diagnose where is the school board not yet being the advocate it can be for children, not yet being the representative it can be for the community, and knowing how to advocate for the board moving in that direction. And so anyone who is deeply invested in seeing the children of our public schools really succeed and to grow in what they know are able to do. Uh, this this is a guide for how they can support their school board in being that. Beautiful. Guys, check it out. We've linked it in the show notes. If you want to learn more about uh, AJ, his book, um, it's AJC7.com. Is that your website? Uh, just AJCrable.com, AJCRABILL.com. Uh, Gotcha. AJCrable.com. We'll link it in the show notes. We've linked the book in the show notes. Hey, man, uh, really appreciate your insight and uh, continued success for all the good work you're doing. And Nate, I loved the conversation. It didn't always go where I expected, and I like that. <laughs>